Hello, I'm Rosemary Adamson with the ATS section on Medical Education Podcasts. This is the third in a series on the validation of assessment tools. In the first podcast, I described MESIC's framework for validity evidence. This podcast is the second part of my interview with David Cook, who is a professor of medicine and medical education at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Science in Rochester, Minnesota, where he is also the director of research in the Office of Applied Scholarship and Education Science. In this part of the interview, Dr. Cook gives some practical advice on how to design studies to gather validity evidence. Leading on from that, um, Dr. Cook, when when we're thinking about how to uh, design studies to um, develop validity evidence, um, what, what other thoughts do you have about how those studies should be designed? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, there's entire books devoted to that subject, so it's hard to condense it down to something uh, uh, for a podcast. But I'll try and boil it down to perhaps uh, five uh, key steps. And then within that, of course, there could be an entire chapter written to elaborate. But the first step is to define very clearly the construct. What is it that you're trying to measure? And more importantly, what are you trying to interpret Uh, from those uh, scores and how are you going to use those scores. So define the construct, the interpretation, and the intended decisions or uses. Second, once you know what you're going to do with the scores, I'd encourage you to prioritize the validity evidence. Uh, Kane calls this the interpretation use argument. In other words, this is your pre-planning argument uh, that you're basically planning out the argument for yourself on what evidence would you need to collect in order to support your intended interpretations and use? Third, I'd encourage investigators not to start from scratch. There's almost always going to be something out in the published literature or uh, available from a colleague at another institution that you can use as your starting point. Now, you may want to adapt it, revise it, improve upon it, but at least try not to start from scratch. Try to rely at very least on someone else's conceptual framework, someone else's uh, uh, survey of the literature, someone else's uh, framing of the problem. Fourth, before you jump off and start collecting evidence, take a look and see what's already been published so that you are keeping that in mind and building on what's already been published instead of always collecting new evidence. On the other hand, whenever you move into a new setting, a new set of learners, a new context, you probably need to collect uh, new evidence to support uh, the use of the scores in that new context. And fifth, after you've collected the evidence, it's important to interpret and synthesize that evidence in relation to that upfront argument that you put together, the interpretation use argument, the prioritization. You've collected the evidence. How does that evidence you've collected compare with what you expected to find? Does it support? Does it refute? Is it aligned, misaligned, complete, incomplete? And then come up with a summary judgment has it has your new assessment and the corresponding scores passed? Uh, is it failed, or is it somewhere in the middle where you need to collect more information? That's great. Um, that's just uh, you know emphasizes the point that you need to plan this in advance. Um, and I think that for for me, one of the things that um, really uh, struck me when I first tried to develop a tool, uh, an assessment tool, was that I was, I was just sort of throwing that on the end of having developed a whole curriculum. You know, I developed the curriculum and then I thought, I should, I should have an assessment. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, that's, um, 
I think that's a situation that a, a lot of educators um, get themselves into, um, and uh, it's worth stopping and thinking about which tool and uh, is, it, is it even worth doing an assessment if your tool isn't that good. Um, so worth spending some time on the tool itself. Yes, it's a, it's a limiting factor in any uh, research study or evaluation activity is often the outcome measures, the assessment activity. And to the extent that you're able to do so, the, spending some time thoughtfully developing that and appraising it and uh, evaluating the validity of the scores is always going to be useful. I agree. So that was Dr. Cook's advice on designing studies to gather validity evidence for an assessment tool. He mentioned Kane's validity framework, so I thought I'd briefly describe it. The first thing to say about Kane's validity framework is that his approach is quite different from Messick's. So you can't just take the five sources of validity evidence described by Messick and then put them into Kane's framework. Messick's framework is useful for categorizing types of validity evidence, whereas Kane's framework is probably more useful when designing your own studies. Kane describes a two-step approach to validating the interpretation of an assessment result. First, you need to state the interpretation use argument, and then you evaluate the validity argument. So what is this interpretation use argument? Let's take an example assessment here. An OSCE to evaluate joint examination skills performed on a standardized patient at the end of a rheumatology rotation. The results of this OSCE will be used to decide who passes the rheumatology rotation and who needs remediation. The assumptions being made here are that high scores on this OSCE reflect good joint examination skills and low scores reflect poor examination skills. The claim is that the results of this OSCE can differentiate between learners who should pass the rotation and those who should not. This claim is the interpretation use argument. Evaluation of this claim is the validity argument. This principle should sound familiar to all of us as the principle of stating a hypothesis and then testing it. Kane goes on to trace the inferences made from the point of the learner taking the test to the decision made based on this test result. Kane's framework describes four inferences made in educational assessments. These are referred to as scoring, generalization, extrapolation, and implication. Scoring refers to the inferences made when creating a single score from an observation. In the case of our example joint exam OSCE, validity evidence for the scoring inference could be collected by having a robust system to create the scoring checklist for each station and assessing inter-rater reliability on the checklist. Generalization refers to the inference that the single score relates to the individual's performance in the test setting. For the joint exam OSCE, validity evidence for the generalization inference could be collected by obtaining interstation correlation data. Extrapolation refers to the inference that performance in the test setting relates to performance in real life. For the joint exam OSCE, validity evidence for the extrapolation inference could be collected by showing that scores correlate with year of training or with performance on another test of rheumatology knowledge or skills. Implication refers to the inference that performance in real life relates to the test interpretation decision made on the test. This is similar to Messick's consequences source of validity evidence, and is often the hardest source or inference to gather evidence for. For the joint exam OSCE, you could perhaps gather data on whether scores correlate with learners eventually choosing to specialize in rheumatology or appropriately ordering joint radiographs in the future. To summarize, this podcast started with advice from Dr. Cook on how to design studies to gather validity evidence, and then I gave a brief introduction to Kane's validity framework. 
In the next and final podcast on validity evidence for assessment tools, Dr. Cook will give us some thoughts about which statistical tests should be used in which situation.